So then for the uh, next three weeks, I want to share the story, the story of Christmas. And I'm hoping that as we go through this, even though it is a familiar story, sometimes a familiar story be- can become too familiar. And we don't really think that much about uh, the various aspects of it. So as we go through the story in the next three weeks, we're going to be looking at some people who were key in this story. And as we look at these people, I'm hoping that uh, we will see the story in a new light and maybe be reminded of some things that uh, we kind of gloss over and maybe be encouraged in some ways that we've not been encouraged before. So today we're going to be talking about Mary. So go with me to the Father in prayer. (coughs) Our Heavenly Father, we come to you today. And as we begin to look again at the Christmas story, I pray that you would open our eyes to new insights, that you would challenge us, that you would help us to see things perhaps we've not seen before. Or if we have, maybe we've kind of set them aside and haven't given them much thought. So Father, I ask you to speak to us today. We ask it in your son's name. Amen. In your bulletin today, I put, who are you, little one? I've shared this with you before. In fact, we've used it in a couple of our programs. I've had other people uh, read it. I especially liked it the the year that uh, Janice Smith did it because uh, she dressed up like Mary and had the baby there, and and she she read this, and it made it very real. But I'm going to share it again with you as we get started here. Who are you, little one? Who are you, little one, so tiny, so helpless in my arms? What do I see when I look into your shining eyes? Do I see angels dancing across the sky on wings of joy? Do I see a glowing robe formed from the clouds of glory? Who are you, little one, so tiny, so helpless in my arms? What do I see when I look into your precious face? Do I see an innocence that once belonged to mankind? Something we lost somewhere long, long ago? Who are you, little one, so tiny, so helpless in my arms? What do I see when I gaze across your soft brow? Do I see a crown resting there? Is it somehow harsh? Is it mangled, stained by crimson bright? Who are you, little one, so tiny, so helpless in my arms? Did I hear an angel speak your name? Are you the Savior, O little one, so helpless in my arms? Do I hold the hope of all mankind against my breast? Who are you, little one, so tiny, so helpless in my arms? 
Will they see? Will they understand? Will they care? Will they realize that it is they who are helpless? And will they know who you are? I'll be reading this morning from Luke, beginning at verse 26. Now in the sixth sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to the city of Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man named Joseph of the descendants of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. If I could use one word to describe the people I'm going to talk about the next three weeks, that word would be ordinary. And when I say ordinary, I don't mean that in a negative sense. It doesn't mean ordinary in a condescending sense. It simply means ordinary every day, just normal people, not elite not royal, just everyday people. Here is Mary. From what we know, Mary was a young girl, perhaps no more than 16. In those times, being a teenager was hardly what we think of today in our Western culture. They did not have the shallow distractions of entertainment and carefree lifestyle unencumbered by real responsibility. In that culture, there was family. Everything revolved around family. They were taught in the family. They were nurtured in the family. They were given responsibility early as a part of the family. Thus, there was an early maturity. I don't mean to make it sound like as children they didn't play games or have fun, or that as teenagers they might not have even struggled with growing up. But they were much more grounded in reality, because reality is where they lived. And so here's Mary living the ordinary life of a young girl in those days, and she was pledged to be married. Not unusual in that day and time. We don't know what day it was, and it doesn't matter, but we can be sure that it was just another ordinary day. With people going about the ordinary things that they do, And no one, least of all Mary, expected the day to be anything exceptional. (coughs) But something exceptional happened. And before we go on, just some thoughts to consider. We are all, it seems, busy. Perhaps it's our job, raising a family, in some cases both, 
Most of us have things that we need to attend to every day. The alarm goes off, we get out of bed, and we'll launch into another, shall I say, ordinary day. I wonder how many of us have any expectation of something exceptional happening in that ordinary day. I wonder if we ever give any thought to the possibility that something from God might meet us along our ordinary path that day. And if it were to happen, would we notice? Would we even look up from our routines long enough to realize that God was there? Now, the shepherds could hardly miss it. And we're going to talk about the shepherds later. But I would submit that in most cases, God comes to us along our ordinary path. He may want to tell us something, something important, something we hadn't thought of, something we've overlooked, something we've forgotten. And maybe he will do it through an event, a circumstance, perhaps the words of someone else. Maybe we'll hear it in a song. And we've heard this song before, but this time it clicks. If, however, the day is about us, if we are self-absorbed, self-assured, <clears throat> feeling complete in our own wisdom, if we have put God on the back burner in order to exude our own self-confidence, if, if we even are remotely, smugly spiritual, we may not hear, we may not see. And the day will remain ordinary. But for Mary, something exceptional happened in her ordinary day. God sent the angel Gabriel to talk to Mary. And he came to her and he said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Now, we have a tendency to uh, spiritualize every word of Scripture. Every, everything we read in Scripture, we have a tendency to kind of spiritualize it to the point that we sometimes overlook the humanity that is in that story. Uh, perhaps you've seen pictures that have been painted of Mary being spoken to by the angel and, and she's just in awe, you know, and there's a glow everywhere in the picture. But in reality, it wouldn't have been like that. She was just an ordinary person going about her ordinary life. And an angel, and she doesn't know it's an angel, walks up to her and says, Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Well, let's allow Mary to have her humanity. A total stranger walks up to this young girl 
going about her ordinary day and tells her that she is highly favored and that the Lord is with her, how would you respond? Going back to Luke. But she was very perplexed at this statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this was. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Notice, first of all, it doesn't say she said anything. Wouldn't you be kind of speechless? (laughs) But it does say that she was troubled, she was perplexed and was wondering what kind of greeting this must be. In other words, she was thinking exactly what you and I might think. What in the world are you talking about? This is just a little bit weird. And from the next thing we read, we know that not only was she thinking it was very strange, she was more than a little bit frightened. Why else would the angel say to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have favor with God. Before we go on, some thoughts to consider. Have you ever noticed in Scripture how when angels talk to people, they inevitably tell them to not be afraid? Have you ever wondered why? Now, in art, uh, angels are always represented as if they're kind of glowing, and more often than not, they're portrayed as having wings. But from Scripture, there's nothing to suggest that they looked any different than anyone else. Yet something about them caused fear. Now, understand, I am just speculating here. But I'm wondering if the reason they inspired fear is because when they spoke, it was with another, or rather, an an otherworldly presence. In other words, they look like anyone else, but when they began to speak, something tells you there is something more than appears. I certainly don't know the answer for sure. But somehow, when they would begin to speak, the person they were speaking to was afraid. Mary was frightened. But here's the other thing, and honestly, even just read it, reading it, when the angel says, do not be afraid, there is a calm feeling that flows through those words, even when you read it. In our uh, headlong rush, running down our ordinary road, the wind of life blowing in our face, the terrible sound of Satan's darts, fiery darts raining down around us every day, maybe we need to stop 
and listen. Maybe we need to tune our hearts to his voice and hear him say, do not be afraid. We can do that in prayer, of course. In the midst of anything that's going on, you can always turn to God in prayer. And when you pray, listen. Don't just talk. Listen. And you might just hear. At least you might sense it. Don't be afraid. Mary heard those words, and they must have calmed her soul, because the angel continued. And behold, you will receive in your womb, you will conceive, rather, in your womb, and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. I guess the angel stopped because there was silence as Mary tried to take it all in. And then she she realized that this this is impossible. She's not married. How could she possibly have a child? Mary said to the angel, how can this be, <laughs> since I am a virgin? The angel answered, but the explanation was more astounding than the promise. The angel goes on. The angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age, and she who was called barren is now in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. The angel says, for nothing is impossible for God. You know, we say those words. We even sing them. You know that chorus? Nothing is impossible for thee. Nothing is impossible for thee. Great and mighty God, great in power and mighty indeed. Nothing, nothing, absolutely nothing. Nothing is impossible for thee. Well, I had the melody a little wrong, but those are the words. And we say that, and we sing it. But do we believe it? Do we act like 
we believe it. What I've noticed through the years is that all too often in church, uh, we will easily talk about the will of God, but when it comes to taking action, when it comes to moving forward, when it comes to stepping out and going where we've never gone before, doing what we've never done before, we say yes, but... And then we spend an amazing amount of energy arguing why we can't do something. And even in our individual lives, we say we believe that God can change us. We believe that God can use us. We believe that God can work through us to do good, th- good things, great things. But we stand still, making excuses, rationalizing why we just can't change why we just can't do what God wants us to do but what would happen if we would just follow the lead of this young girl and Mary said behold the bond slave of the Lord, may it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. What might God do with us? What might God do with this church? What might God do in your life, for your life, with your life, if you, like Mary, just said to God, okay, I am your servant. Do what you will. Her name was Mary. She was ordinary. But God took her ordinary life and from it shone a beacon of light for all the world to see. And here's what Mary said. And Mary said, My soul exalts the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior, for he has had regard for the humble state of his bond slave. For behold, from this time on, all generations will count me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. And holy is his name. Her name was Mary. God knew her name. And he knows yours. Why not let God shine a beacon of light from your life? How wonderful would it be to be able to say, For the mighty one, has done great things for me. Holy is his name. Heavenly Father, help us to not only say and sing and believe, but act as we believe that you truly are 
God and that nothing is impossible for you and that you can use us, ordinary people, in our everyday lives. You can use us to do great things for your kingdom's sake. Help us to believe that, Father, and believing to act accordingly. Thank you for the story of Mary. May we too be a shining beacon for the world to see. And we ask it in your son's name. Amen.